Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right. Uh, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Great service department as well. Take care of the routine, inspections, uh, diagnostics. They handle it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. That sometimes will pick out the play-by-play of the day, call the day, and some of them he takes more joy in than others. That's a good way to put it. That's why he picked today's. 22 seconds left. And Durant's first miss. And now Smart on the run out. Horford running with him. Marcus Smart will take it. Left hand layup. No. Horford will put back. They thought things would be different, but a first round loss. And a sweep. Boston, four in a row. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Oh. Have a nice off season, Kyrie. Yeah, you you just <laughs> listen. I hate the Celtics as much as anybody, but I really disdain the Nets now. So I, I'm I'm I was okay with that. Now the Celtics can lose to the Bucks next round, probably. Oh, good. I'm glad they have your permission. I'm I'm thrilled by that. That's <laughs> great. Just what every talk show needs. They have our permission to lose now. Great. All right, so let's get to the NFL draft. I'm going to talk to Joe DeLeon here in a moment. We had Joe on before. He specializes in the FCS. Like everybody else, he has a mock draft. Uh, the Eagles have two picks. Good job by Howie Roseman of balancing the two years by doing two this year, two next year, as opposed to three to one like it was before. I think that was smart on his part. Steelers are picking at 20, as a matter of fact. And then we'll have Neil Kulong in in the final half hour because there's a lot of chatter about the Steelers thinking quarterback. Well, we'll go through some of that with Neil in the next half hour. But first, let's bring in Joe DeLeon, Believe Podcast, uh, talking on the NFL Draft. Joe, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk some drafts. We're, we're getting so close. It's, it's been a long cycle, and it, it's finally here. Finally here. So uh, I know you'd specialize a lot in FCS. Uh, I know that. But uh, I will get to the overall draft in a moment. Who do you think is the first FCS player off the board? I think it's likely going to be Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. He's been the player who's been projected to go the earliest this entire draft process. Uh, Penning, to me, fits exactly what teams look for in offensive tackles these days. Tall, long, athletic. And then it helps that he's got a really mean demeanor to him. But don't be shocked if Christian Watson from North Dakota State sneaks his way 
slightly ahead of Trevor Penning because he's been really building up some buzz for himself throughout this process. Really fantastic athlete, very, very fast for a tall receiver at six foot four. And there is some legit speculation that he ends up being selected in around that 20 to 32 range by a team that needs a receiver. All right, so what separates him? Because there's a lot of really good receivers in this draft. Well, the, the size-speed combination, I think, definitely separates him. That's, that's the big thing. For him to run in the four threes at six foot four and 210 yeah. pounds is, is just so rare. We don't see guys that can move that fast. And it's not like he's, he's like DK Metcalf, who is obviously a fantastic professional, but he's not the, the greatest at changing direction because he's so top-heavy and he's a really big guy. But Christian Watson has the flexibility to get in and out of his cuts really, really well. He, he's just built so uniquely, which makes him so different compared to a lot of these other receivers that we have in the class, like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Jahan Dotson. Those guys are on the smaller side. And then Drake London, who's taller, right. is not as fast as Christian Watson is. So it's a lot of different body types, and I think Christian Watson is the, the most unique athletically. All right. Uh, at the top of the draft, so let's just get to the top of the draft. Everybody has a different mock draft right now because I don't think anybody knows who's going where. Uh, who do you have as your, in your mind the top five guys? Top five guys at that first overall spot, I think it could either be Trevon Walker or Aiden Hutchinson. To me, right. Hutchinson seems to be the most likely pick despite yeah. that, that current Walker buzz. Yeah. Um, but if Aiden Hutchinson goes first overall, I think Kayvon Thibodeau ends up going second. Third for me, Kyle Hamilton makes a ton of sense for the Houston Texans. For the Jets, uh, whoever the remaining edge rusher is still there, and it's probably going to be Trayvon Walker, so they would likely select him. There's a possibility that they maybe go offensive line, but the Giants at five, uh, I think, are the most likely to draft an offensive lineman first if no one else does ahead of them. So Evan Neal going five to the Giants would be a very likely pick for them. All right, so now let's get to this part. Uh, The local team will be the Steelers, obviously. And when you sit back and you look at them, uh, we've been kicking around whether the, the Steelers would trade up. Do you think they go quarterback, or do you think that they, they have a different idea? I think it's certainly very, very possible. What would the need for that to happen is if Malik Willis slid out of the top 10, which is probably going to end up actually happening on draft night. If, if he's available by pick 11, uh, I, I don't see a scenario where the, the Steelers, or I don't see a reason why the Steelers wouldn't move up to go and draft him. There has been a long, consistent connection between Mike Tomlin and Malik Willis throughout this process. It's pretty clear that Tomlin really, really likes him. They need to figure out who is the future of that position. It's probably not Mason Rudolph, and Mitch Trubisky is clearly going to be a, a bridge quarterback. Trubisky, for how long they signed him for, I think could be there the appropriate amount of time for Malik Willis to develop because he's going to be a couple years away. Uh, But as we've seen in the past, the Steelers, if they like a guy, they're not afraid to trade up for him. They did it for a linebacker with Devin Bush a couple years ago. So (laughs) don't be shocked if they move up. I think there's a very strong chance of it happening. Yeah, we are in a league right now with the NFL where they want, especially at the quarterback spot, they want you to play ASAP because if you do, 
that gives them financial flexibility to build around him while he's still on a rookie contract. They don't usually wait too long anymore, Joe, do they? No, we, we don't have a whole lot of that. And the most recent that we can think of is Jordan Love with the Packers. And the right. guy hasn't even stepped on the field, really. He's played in some instances, and he hasn't looked great. And that, that's probably a really good comparable situation for Jordan Love and Malik Willis because I think if you put them in the same draft class, they probably would have been selected roughly around the same range. If there were better quarterbacks in this class, Malik Willis would probably be drafted a lot later. I just think, as you mentioned, teams don't have that same level of patience. What the Chiefs did was an exception, and it was a very rare case. If you're available and ready to play right now, I I think teams uh, are are pushing for guys like that. But the Steelers are a team that are in a position with a guy like Mitch Trubisky that they can lean on him for a a period of time. He's not going to be the best. He's going to get the job done. And then you just hope that you don't lose out on some of those other stars that you have on the roster, like uh, T.J. Watt and, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Right, exactly. So then the Eagles have two picks in the first round. How do you think they had to use those two? I think one of those picks has to be a, a cornerback, and then the other one you can really make a decision on if, it, if it's a receiver, if it's a linebacker, or if it's a, a defensive tackle or edge rusher. To me, the, the, the main priority needs to be adding to the defensive side of the ball. Jalen Hurts did better than I think a lot of people expected last year, and I think that there are some positive signs for that offense, especially for their offensive line, which is very, very underrated. Um, But defensively, there's just so many holes, and they got completely cooked in the playoffs against the Buccaneers. And obviously that's Tom Brady and that's the Buccaneers, but you can't look like that in a must-win game. They, They need help at corners, so someone like Andrew Booth from Clemson. If Derek Stingley falls, like they, they need to make a move to go get him. Uh, Trent McDuffie or Sauce Gardner probably won't be there, but Trent McDuffie is somebody to pay attention to. Devin Lloyd's the most likely linebacker for them to take. And then if we're talking edge prospects, I think George Karloftis makes a lot of sense uh, in that pick range for them to select him. And Karloftis is really good. Obviously, I've seen him play against Penn yep. State. Uh, so... Now, we talked about the FCS part of it. You know, usually a lot of the FCS guys will fall to day two and many to day three. Give me some day three value of an FCS player, a couple of FCS players where you take them and guess what? You know what? They're going to really help you. And I got a feeling you're going to mention the South Dakota State running back here. Yeah, the the one guy that I've been really banging the table for is Pierre Strong Jr. Yep. from South Dakota State. I, I have been bringing him up. <laughs> since midway through the college football season. And and I luckily got to see him play live and see what his burst is like. The first carry that he had against North Dakota State when I saw him in person was for a 75-yard touchdown. He has really nice breakaway speed. He's got great vision, uh, amazing experience. And I think all of those things, being how long he's played the position, how long he's been in college, that experience level – makes him a candidate to be this year's Elijah Mitchell or James Robinson to step into a situation and carve out a really, really nice role and then outperform expectations. There's going to be a lot of people saying, who the heck is Pierre Strong Jr. and and why is he leading my team in rushing right now? Why is he top 15 in rushing right now? Don't, Don't be surprised if he ends up being that type of a player. But another day three guy, uh, that makes a lot of sense for me that can develop into a really nice starter. I love Cole Strange from Chattanooga. 
He played multiple spots on the offensive line at Chattanooga. He's likely going to bump into center. I really loved how he looked at center at the Senior Bowl, and he proved that he's, he's decently athletic for, uh, for a guy of, of his build. He's very stout. He's really, really strong. That's what you're getting with Cole Strange is, is yeah. a nice, powerful anchor. Not a lot of nose tackles are going to be able to bully him because he has that really powerful uh, base to his game. But I, I think Cole Strange is somebody you maybe draft this year, give him a little bit of time, and then in a year or two he, he develops into a, a really quality starting center. And that, and that could be somebody that the Eagles could be looking at if they're looking for an eventual replacement uh, for, for Jason Kelsey. Is there any quarterback out there that, that comes up in the, on the third day that you think people ought to take a look at? Yeah, Caleb Ellaby out of Western Michigan, yeah. I think is the best developmental prospect. Yep. Uh, you keep hearing names like Jack Cohn brought up and, and Dustin Crum, and I, I think those guys are great, but their role is going to be as a backup for their the entirety of their careers. But Caleb Ellaby, to me, has the traits. He's got a very underrated arm. He's a quality athlete to throw on the on the run as well. Uh, he's somebody with those traits could develop maybe into a starter. Uh, I'm not saying that there's a high likelihood of that happening, but if we're talking about who has the, those best traits, who has the best ability to develop, uh, Caleb Ellaby from Western Michigan is definitely the guy. It's interesting because uh, you know I, I saw Western Michigan play some this year in part because Bill Kenny's a part of their staff. And I've known Bill for obviously a long time, uh, and it just seemed like when I watched them play, he had a, this player had a real poise about him. Would that be fair? Right. Yeah, I, I think that's the other thing too. Is he's one of the younger quarterback yeah. prospects in the class. Like he's not that that old. I, I, I'm quickly pulling up his. He's 22 years old. Right. Compared to some of these guys, he was a redshirt sophomore. All the other guys in this class, a lot of these other guys have been around for five, six years. Like Kenny Pickett is, is 25, I, I believe. And you see this demeanor from a guy who hasn't played that much, who hasn't been in the college game for that long. Uh, he does have that professionalism, that, that demeanor that is it, it's difficult to find for, for young quarterbacks. Joe, absolute pleasure. Appreciate the time very much. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, does extensive coverage of FCS football. Great to have him on the show. Leading up into Thursday, which is round one, rounds two and three are Friday, rounds four through seven will be Saturday. Matt's having a big draft party at his house. Huge. Oh, yeah, always. I, I said after the game, after the Sixers lost embarrassingly last night. Game six takes a backseat to, to the draft. I'm sorry. The draft will be on the TV. The Sixers will be on the computer. That's how we roll. There if you, you wanted know. to be the center of my attention, you should have won last night. Wow, doesn't that throw the gauntlet down? Um, all right. <laughs> oh, my almighty! A Michael Barkan is tomorrow... And Jerry Dulac tomorrow. John Clark on Thursday. And uh, Reuben Frank, uh, let's see, also Bill Hillgrove on Thursday, right? And Reuben Frank on Monday. No, it's it's Bill and Rube Monday. Oh, Bill and Rube are both Monday. Yeah, okay. and Dulac okay. and John Clark are both Thursday to lead up Very to round nice. one. John Clark, in fact, will be live from Vegas 
he's going to join us in between doing his hits on NBC Philly. So it's not going to be next to some one-armed bandit, is he? <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. <laughs> I'm here at the Bellagio. Yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess they're going to take the picks across boats across the uh, where the fountains are at the Bellagio. That's what I'm hearing. This this is going to be interesting. This better not make the draft go even later than it normally does, at least for round one. By the way, uh, today, Little League World Series made the announcement that they plan to return to full capacity for fans and participants this year. So great news there. Bingo! The Little League World Series is August 17th through the 28th in South Williamsport. And so full capacity for fans, full participation, which means obviously the international field as well. Great, great news. feel like it's another step in the right direction. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with more tomorrow. The station just seems so relaxed. What? What has allowed that to be? Everybody just seems just so much more confident in what they're doing. Why is that? S-U-I-T. That spells Suta. Gone. G-O-N-E. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. One of the teams that has been, I would say, most notable making calls about potentially moving up is the Philadelphia Eagles, which, no surprise, every time this year it seems Howie Roseman is interested in doing a lot of things. Moving up is one, moving back is another, wants to keep his options open. Moving up is a fascinating one because you do wonder if the Eagles move up from 15. Of course, they do have plenty of ammunition, two first-round picks. Who would they be targeting? Uh, potentially, would a corner be someone they'd be targeting? Would it be an edge rusher? Would a Thibodeau slid, slid? A lot of options here for the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, we would keep our eye on that. No one loves trades more than Howie Roseman. Obviously, a team that has been considering moving back. Uh, actually, I'll give you two. The Carolina Panthers and the New York Giants. He's moving up to get a quarterback. Way Can back. you imagine? I was just joking when I said that, by the way. I Don't was, do I that was just to kidding me. Around. I was just kidding around when I said that. I mean, I think he's – I think you've got to keep going with Jalen Hurts. I do. So – I'd have he's to agree. Not, In that scenario, it's got to be Thibodeau. Well, if Thibodeau's available, yeah. Depends on who you trade with. Right? Yeah, and that's also fascinating if they trade in the division again. I mean, they made the, the trade with the Cowboys last year to get Devontae Smith to jump the Giants. That would be fascinating if they work out a trade with the Giants to move up. Yeah, um, and remember the Giants. It's a new. It's a new group. It's essentially the Buffalo Bills group that is in there now. So I mean, we'll see. I don't. Uh, the The Eagles certainly have the draft capital to do it. The one that would crack me up would be the Rams making a trade because they have no draft picks until twenty thirty eight.
So, so some talk the Giants might talk to the Steelers. About that number seven pick. Might the Steelers <coughs> take a quarterback? Wow. How about that? There isn't a quarterback in this draft I like. In terms of being a first-round pick, I mean. But you never know. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Fourth Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Q Roots 11 and 15, Ummel's Wharf. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15, Ummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. With a great service department, uh, whether it's uh, routine or it's inspections, or diagnostics, they handle it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 to 15, Humble's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Matt in a state of depression. Yeah, that was a tough one last night. Sixers lost. Yankee fans are trying to beat up the Guardians. And the Eagles haven't drafted anybody yet. Wait till they do. <laughs> then we'll find out. I'll get the usual 2,000 text messages. Okay. <laughs> I'm so mad. Like, hey, hey, okay, slow down. You have one million high school football players across the country. What about a million? You know what the percentage of high school football players that get to the NFL draft? Point zero two percent. Wow. As Bill O'Brien once told me, from high school to college is a huge leap. From college to the NFL is a chasm. Yet Matt still hates all the draft picks. No? <laughs> you liked Devontae Smith last year. I know you did. Oh, yeah. Jalen Rager, I mean, sent you to the Motrin Isle. All right. Uh, so, yeah. True? True. Yes, true. Yeah. All right. So the Steelers, might they go quarterback? Neil Kulong joins us. Sir, welcome back. Great to have you with us. It is, as always, great to be here. I'm looking forward to uh, – uh, to, to two days here before the draft, getting to talk about it with you beforehand, and then if I survive, talking about it next week as well and going over everything that we'll see. Well, the um, tidal wave of rumor is now quarterback. Um, as you're standing on the shore looking at the tidal wave, are you concerned they'll actually do it? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm concerned that they'll do it. 
I think is fair at the same time as I think it's fair to say I think that they should do it and I think that they would do it depending on uh, what what the options are. Um, here's the bottom line. For the Steelers in this draft, the priority uh, as far as an immediate team need is wide receiver. Uh, they need two receivers in this draft. No and doubt. It, one, if not two of them, need to be premium guys. Um, it, this isn't like we need a project for depth type of thing. They need two receivers who can play. Uh, if not from this draft, they need to bring somebody else in. They don't have a slot receiver right now. I don't think it, it's particularly wise to draft a slot receiver in the top 52 picks. That's just me. Um, not when we talked about this last week, not when Cole Beasley, if you put all the, the off the field stuff aside, Cole Beasley is one of the better yep. slot receivers in the game. He's mm. not signed right now. That's right. There are guys like that every single year. So in plus uh, undrafted free agency is, is a, a boon for good slot receivers. And I know that because there's a team in the NFL that gave Ray Ray McLeod $10 million over two years. Yeah. And the Steelers used him like it, it consistently in like three games last year. So whatever it is the teams are looking for, it doesn't seem like there's a, a consistent approach to it. And that opens up the market to a lot of options based on what you want the position to be. I don't think you should draft that in the, the first two rounds. That's just me. Uh, I think John Mechie is a great player. I think Sky Moore is a great player. Not guys I would take in the top 52. And I, I'm, I, I'd love to tell you, I don't, I know that the Steelers will or won't do this, but it doesn't seem like really what they want to do overall. Juju Smith Schuster was not a slot receiver when no. he started his career. He moved into that. Um, you know, that, that's, I think, kind of a unique situation, but it's fair to say that John Mechie and, and uh, Sky Morris are NFL slot receivers. So um, what they would do at 20, in my opinion, if it's not going to be a receiver, and there are plenty of, of circumstances I can see in which the top four receivers are gone before, like at 16 in the draft, let alone 20. Right. Um, fifth place of that, it might not quite be worth the 20th pick. But here we go into the two separate drafts thing again. Yep. Okay. You don't have a receiver that you want. Who's the fifth best receiver in the class taking 20 overall. I, I totally would understand that. If that's the case, though, that's a lot of receivers that are going to go along with your other premium positions. You've got to think that, you know, the, the third, maybe fourth quarterback available would be there at 20. And for me, that's probably a, a Desmond Ritter. Um, that's the name I keep coming back to. That's just, the scenario I'll keep coming yeah, into. Yeah, I know. And I get why there, there's some hesitation with that. And most of it's going to be, do you want the, you, you'd like this guy at 52. Do you want him at 20? The two-draft philosophy kind of mandates that yes. for that position, yep. if you want him at 52, you need to take him at 20 because right. he's not going to be there at 52. Because right. everyone else is going to have the same problem, and somebody is going to land on that priority ahead of you. So it, it's it, it's really going to show whether they value um, the, the long-term security of the position with this first-round pick. Obviously, you know, it take take the gamble if you want. If you think somebody's going to be there at 52, but for me, if he's there at 52, I think there's a reason. You have pretty strong right. market evidence to think there's not a whole lot of faith in this guy panning out. So what are you doing? I mean, second round kind of seems like no man's land for quarterbacks now. I'm not sure if you would even want him if you don't feel that he's worth a first-round pick. So 
I don't know is is the, the very simplified answer of that. But um, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock into the idea that Malik Willis is going to fall very far. I don't think that Kenny Pickett is going to be around at 20. Right. Um, for the, the same reasons that we're discussing here. The, right. the value of the position is just too high. And I think these guys, last year, the strengths of the top four quarterbacks were highlighted uh, and, and discussed and talked about when they were being compared to one another. Yes. This class, it's all about their weaknesses. Yes. And I, I think some of that, to some degree, is just kind of hangover from last year. Now, let's be fair. I don't think Kenny Pickett is a top four quarterback in last year's class. Right. It doesn't seem like he would be a top six candidate in next year's class. He is where he is, but here's the thing with efficiency. You, you don't draft against the draft. You draft against your needs. Right. Is he a guy who fits what you need now, three years from now, and is he somebody that you feel is worth the value of taking him where you're at? You, you can't worry about who else is there. That's just not it, – it's not efficient that way. You're not going to come up with good decisions if you're banking on something else happening that you have no control over. This is where you're at when you're on the clock. These are the decisions that you're going to make. That's what they're preparing for now. If Pickett is among that group and he's there at 20, I, you know, I, I fans should be happy with Kenny Pickett uh, to the Steelers at 20. I think that's a pretty good pick. Um, I'm intrigued with Ritter at that spot. I, I think that's interesting. Um, it, it'd be controversial, I'll bet. I, I don't think there'll be a whole lot of people that uh, they're incredibly happy with that. I think Mel Kiper will go on a rant and rave and give it give the pick a, a C minus probably. Yeah. But for for the sake of the team. Um, I don't think that's a bad idea. You know, I, 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 what I really not like to see is a defensive player taking a 20. Um, this is a bad offensive team. They improved their line a bit. We're not sure how that's all going to come together. The reality is, though, they do not have playmakers. Okay. They, they just don't. That's my point. And they're, they have to address that at, I, uh, at some point soon. I think they got they can get quarterbacks next year or the year after. I think you need playmakers now to set up next year and the year after. That's me for Ritter. Yeah, I just think it, it, it's the 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 idea of playmakers without a quarterback doesn't it, it doesn't hold water for me. Yeah, I, I know yeah, that. You, I, you I know. know what type of receiver you need, and you need the quarterback to be able to do that. There are a lot of bad fits that will end up happening. Right. So let's, yeah, how about this? Let's watch what happens in Seattle to D.K. Metcalf now that he's got Drew Locke right. going to him. Uh, D.K. Metcalf was a perfect receiver for Russell Wilson. Well, Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown with yep. Mason Rudolph. It didn't go. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it didn't Mike go. Pick, um, Landry Jones, well, he did pretty well with Landry Jones, believe it or not. Right. But, but I'll uh, say this when about Ritter. I watched him two full games last year and a little bit of one, of another. All right. The games I watched last year, Indiana, didn't play well. If Micah McFadden, the middle linebacker, all right, doesn't get a targeting call, Indiana wins the game, I think. Right. And Ritter didn't play well. Right. Notre Dame goes into that atmosphere. Everything's high and wide. And obviously Alabama. Oh, it's Alabama. It's like, excuse me, if you're like a top 20 quarterback, aren't you expected to do more than six points? Yeah, he didn't, he didn't look great. He looked comfortable. I'm just saying, Alabama, I'm just saying I, I saw him in three spots last year and didn't like him in any one of the three. 
Yep, yep. And I, I would challenge it with this. It, is the quarterback coming out of college the sum of his whole or the sum of his parts? Because you get a, a couple different ways to look at it. On the field, in, in college in particular, it really kind of seems to be um, – feast or famine for quarterbacks in playoff games, especially in the right. what we've seen so far in the semifinals. They either light up the scoreboard or they get completely blanked. And I think more of that is experience and coaching experience in those games. Saban knows how to prepare his team for the playoffs, and the playoffs haven't even been around for very long. You know, right. um, sure. I, I don't think Cincinnati quite has that ability. Um they were they weren't going to win that game. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think anybody really thought. And, that they and would. I and I realize that uh, I know exactly. But you know what? Look at all the quarterbacks in this league. I can go through one after another, and who they yep. were in college is who they are now. Yep, that unfortunately I, is okay. right. Who they were in college? Russell Wilson was that at Wisconsin. I saw it yep. firsthand. Okay, Tom Brady. Was that was actually that at Michigan? I saw it firsthand. You know, he was down. He was down ten with six minutes to go. Here, rallied and won the game. Right, saw it. Right, right. I mean, so I can go through one after another. Who these guys were in college? You know, Goff. Goff had a losing record when he was at Cal. Yes, exactly. Right? Daniel Jones. Exactly. Daniel Jones barely above the Mendoza line when it came to touchdowns, interceptions at Duke. I mean, and Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts. Yep. I mean, these guys are who they are. That's the Jared Goff legacy. The best one to that that I would add is Jay Cutler. Yes. Jay Cutler was the first quarterback taken in the first round in something like 30 years who had a losing record in college. And the other one uh, before him, sorry, there were were two of them. The other one uh, who was closest, I should say, he didn't have a losing record. The one who was closest was Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And Rodgers... I think is that the he's the exception that proves the rule. I don't think he was quite that guy, but I think what happened with him, and you know, combined with the fact of, of who he is mentally and emotionally, is what created who he is now. Um, that said, it's a complete outlier by and large. Yeah. Though you're right, the the guy in college, um, it, it, it's obviously they're not the same. The game changes, the player changes, right? coaching is a big part of that development maturity is a big part of that but if you're different more often than not it's in a negative way it's not in a positive yeah. way so right. there there is something to, to be said about the general floor of where a player is and yeah Ritter versus Indiana wasn't spectacular no. by no. any stretch nope um in fact I don't think you really got that from any of these guys unless it was on the ground uh from Willis I well there, there's a lot to like about Kenny Pickett and that that's yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of no Pickett. no I, I think Pickett has played well and look I saw him I saw him do obviously a bad one in the rain against Penn State I saw him do that yeah. but he had a in, a in a loss here he played a terrific game here in a loss yep and, yep and he he has a lot of this just comes from inside pit and what people say about him. Obviously, like they're gonna, you know, hype up their guy a bit. But sure. general impression that I got is people people would be ready to run through a wall for that guy. Yeah, they absolutely loved yep. him there. You know, I'd listen to that. If it's me, I'd really listen to that. I, I you want that out of your quarterback, even if he isn't any good. If the guys buy into him, that's going to make him better. That's yep. going to make them better. Agreed. And that's one part as a coach that you don't have to take care of. You have to factor in natural leadership. And the one that I hear the most uh, is along those lines, along with Pickett, is Ritter. 
Ritter is he's kind of the, the you know, from the ground up type of guy. You know, you, yep. you wonder about the ceiling of him physically. He's really smart too. They yep. they did a lot of things within that offense. He's doing a lot of very cutting edge uh, offensive theory that you see in college that's now just kind of getting into the NFL. <laughs> you might be able to go a completely different direction right. with a guy like Ritter with some time to kind of figure out who he is. That's why I find it intriguing. I, I yeah. like the, the mental aspect of his game. Physically, he doesn't have the greatest arm. He, he's going to test well, you know, running in a straight line. He's not that kind of mobile quarterback. He's shifty. He can move in the pocket. You kind of like that. He knows where he is on the field. I think that's very important. Um, there, there are good qualities to him. But, yeah, you're, yeah. You, the ceiling as we see him as a traditional type of quarterback which I'd say he was probably by and large in terms of, of pocket versus like him versus uh, uh, Willis it's obvious which one was a runner which sure. one was a, more of a pocket guy that's right but it, it, I, I like Ritter in the sense that I think he he's smart enough to grasp RPO concepts which is something I think the Steelers really want to employ based on the, the players that they're signing the players that they've drafted that's the post-Ben offense that they really want to kind of yeah. create um, I don't think Willer, I don't think Ritter is necessarily the best in this group right. for RPOs, but I think uh, uh, Malik Willis is going to be really good at that if they can figure out everything else with him. Yep. Uh, but Ritter will be very good as well as is Sam Howell. Now, when you get into this, you that's Coral an interesting one about at, Howell at Ole Miss too. Yeah, but, but Howell, what, yeah. you, what you like about Howell is he has the ability to read that. But he he's a runner, you know. Ritter wasn't yes. a runner as much. Howell's right. a runner. Yep. So it, it makes you wonder if they want that. Did they do too much for him? A huge part of that offense, just like Willis at Liberty, uh, Howell was his entire offense. Yes. So you can understand why there was a little bit of a drop in in production. Get him get him some help. You know, maybe maybe there's a, a yeah. better way, a more efficient way to kind of run this. Yeah, and there's one other aspect of Ritter too. You know, people have talked about with Kenny Pickett. It's been brought up over and over about hand size. Hand size means something because you get concerned about hits and fumbles. And he did fumble 37 times at Pitt. He didn't lose yeah. all of them. Ritter had 38. Yep. I'm just I'm just pointing out just a couple of things just for people to consider. If they go someplace else besides off uh, besides quarterback or. Uh, wide receiver, what would it be? An offensive lineman? Oh, they, he honestly, throw a dart at the board at that point. <laughs> yeah. I, I, if I it, just if a guy, they, if a guy like Tyler Lindebaum were were available yeah. from Iowa, yeah, I it, would. I be surprised by Lindebaum there. No, I, I think I think there'll be a lot of questions to answer if they take Lindebaum at twenty and they didn't take Creed Humphrey last year. Because a lot of the rap on Humphrey was he's going to be more, yeah. uh, you know, a, a more zone scheme oriented kind of guy. I don't think we're necessarily seeing that, but that was the rap on him. That, and as we've discussed before, people grossly underestimate the issues that a lot of quarterbacks have with a left handed center, which yeah. is what Humphrey's is. Exactly. People, even, people don't yep. even seem to know that. Right. Left handed. And we talked. And we talked about that last season about the left handed yep. center, and that it's it's a. Com- it's subtle, but it's a completely different deal as to the angle the ball comes at, where it goes, yep. how it spins into your hand. Yeah, and that's that's that. In my opinion, just based on what we saw of Humphrey, 
who is the the unique character that it seemed like he was a better better player with the Chiefs than he was in college. That's right. You know, it, it's he improved that much, and he was really good. But he was a physical freak, probably more than anything. He was just an incredible athlete, and still is. And you see that. But the the film that we see of him in Kansas City, it's just like holy cow, this, this guy is he's an elite player. Right. Um, Linderbaum, I I think is is more technically efficient. He though is probably more typecast into. A, a more athletic offensive line, a team that's going to run a lot of outside right. zone. Because um, he can pull. I, yep. Yeah, he's he's quick. Um, it, he could be a guard as well. I, yep. I, he has that kind of versatility. Um, a really good prospect and a really good player. It's just kind of it really it, it's it's need uh, combined with value for him. Um, the Steelers, in my opinion, the Steelers, you know, made their decision at center. Um, I don't know where Linderbaum would fall, but I I. I just don't know offensively what they want to do, but I don't see them running a lot of outside zone with Najee Harris. Um, Not that he couldn't do it. I just don't think that's necessarily his highest and best. They'll do inside zone, in which case, you know, uh, uh, position flexible, um, nimble, quick guards and centers are are a good bet for you. Um, Is that enough to say that you want to use 20 overall on a, a center after you just drafted one in the third round last year and you just signed one back in March. I don't know. Um, it's kind of up in the air. I, it, honestly, receiver or quarterback, if it's not that, defensive line would probably be something I'd like to see them address. But they, they, they're good at adding depth on their defensive line. They, they've done well with that. I mean, Isaiah Bugs and Carlos Davis, maybe that's not the best thing in the world, but I, I you know, I, I panned the, the, uh, the trade up for uh, Isaiah Loudermilk last year, and I, I think he was one of their two or three best rookies. I mean, right. He played really well. I was really impressed with him. I could see why they went and got him. Uh, he's going to be a beast. I mean, they, they, they've got uh, regardless of, of Stefan Pulitz's situation, I think they have confidence in their ability to develop good defensive linemen. But do they want to invest a premium pick there? I'm not sure, but that's probably where I would go just because I don't know what's going to happen with Devin Bush, but I, I think we're seeing the the results of investing premium picks and in inside linebackers in this defense it might not be the best idea. Cornerback isn't a bad idea. I don't think safety is a bad idea. Um, you can go a couple different directions, but I, I, they just they need somebody that can make plays with the ball in their hand. I mean, it, it, it's to me, it, it's pretty black and white. Try to survive the weekend, my friend. We need you back Tuesday. I'm going to do my best. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Same advice I give you. I mean, except I feel like I have to tell you to try and survive the night. I I will do my best, as Neil just said. You get so emotionally involved with your teams none of them are playing are the Yankees playing tonight I guess they must be yes. they got the, yeah, that's right they got the Orioles tonight in the next yeah edition. hopefully they'll actually play the way they're supposed to and beat the Orioles this time but uh, it's a different topic it's kind of like an exhibition game isn't it supposed to be just kidding uh, by the way uh, there'll be no Kirk Herbstreit on the draft coverage he has a blood clot, so he is sitting out. Uh, Adam Schefter sitting out because he'll be at his son's graduation. And Mel Kuyper will be remote uh, because he's not vaccinated. 
Meanwhile, uh, if anybody wants exclusive NFL draft coverage with an angle that nobody else has, we'll have the suit on, on the after show. I can assure you in no uncertain terms he has an angle nobody else has. All right. On everything. <laughs> Michael Barkan tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Great to have you with us today on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Mm. Out of auto repair.